me how to say ladies and gentlemen in gender neutral terms. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian. I think he broke it. What you made me do? And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. A lot of people are mad, and you should. This is about Mandy Rose. We'll get to that in a second. Craig Lagans is here. I am here. Um, my awesome new camera angle and background. I don't want to look fat for the people on Twitter that have nothing else to attack me for. So they just go after my double chin, even though secretly they all want me. Man or woman. It's no secret, Dan. It's no secret. If there is no secret. Um, i got Alf back here. Got two gritties. I got Preston. I actually got Preston and Steve in the shot. I got to move them, make them more prominent. Right about there. I got to get Preston and Steve moving. But anyway, we got some stuff to talk about. Um, pay your female superstars. Uh, yeah, let's let's get this out of the way. Um, I'm gonna piggyback off this. I'm gonna piggyback off this with uh, the uh, the whole thing with men's and women's soccer in the U.S. team. Uh, speaking of losers. Yeah. Lost again. Uh, but the women's team has been kicking it for years, and they can't get uh, more pay than the men, but the men are just getting endorsements and money. And I do have a, a good news update that I'm very happy about, and it's my favorite sport other than wrestling. So I will tack that on as a PS at the end. But And in wrestling, it's the same. The men get paid way overpaid, which doesn't make sense, even in the attitude era. And I know it's like, well, you know, it's about the wrestling and not this, but you know, a lot of the ratings were TNA, not TNA, tits and ass. And they still weren't getting paid as much. Well, maybe Sable because of Playboy, but you know, the women were still undervalued for selling the sizzle. And here we are in 2022. And women's wrestling uh, is arguably the best it's ever been, or the best it's ever been in a long time. And uh, the pay is still trash, which does cause uh, one to go elsewhere for an income. Yeah, This includes one Mandy, Mandy Rose, who uh, did the job. Now, unlike some traditionalists in the business, uh, whether she agreed with the company or not, she went out the way she was supposed to. She did the job. Mandy Rose is no longer uh, NXT Women's Champion. Do they still do the thing where they don't say men, women? I, I, I haven't watched it with the sound on in a long time. Remember that thing? Which is NXT champion. Um, I, I really don't remember. It's not an insult. I really don't recall. But anyway. Um, and it's, uh, it's after the job, she was released by the WWE. Her contract's over. She's gone. Um, which is a shame because she put a lot of work in and proved her craft. 
And it was one of the enter- most more entertaining things on uh, the show she was, shows she was on. But you know, to make a little more money, some some you know some pictures were taken, and just like the ladies of the past, those pictures got leaked. Nothing nude, as far as I'm to understand. And now she's gone for the WWE. Can't do both, which brings up a whole line of hypocrisy, Craig about WWE in general and people they keep hired and people they don't. <laughs> but also let's uh let's uh let's pick this up here. Hi Craig says uh Roscoe Taco. Um Becky Lynch makes three million. Good great. Next woman on the list, Charlotte Flair, six hundred K. Ginger Mahal makes nine thousand K. Goldberg makes three million. He wrestles what twice a year? Just start there. Um, whatever they were paying. Alexa Bliss is one of the top female stars. She only she's worth a little more than three hundred fifty k. And the same people who you use ratings as a crutch of this argument are the same people that point out. And something that we pointed out for many years, well, the ratings aren't what they used to be. Inflation, you can't use that as a factor. Who's putting out the work? Let's let's pay a little more. We all know the pay scale's messed up. Uh, but the reason she was let go is I think she showed her butt. And I think there was a nipple. Oh, no. Not nipples, Craig, in 22. 20- 22. Whatever do we do? I don't know if you've watched this whole thing unfold all day. I've been keeping track of it. Um, I do also want to point out that there's uh, pictures of Alexa Bliss um, uh, taking a full-on cock, which is, I don't have a problem with. Support your sex working. Man or woman, woman or man. Support that sex looking. Yet I watched Paige shove a dildo up her butt. That's true. Yes. Yes. I've seen, I've seen Paige do a couple things. Uh, more power to you, Paige. Uh, Craig, what do you think about all this, man? This, I still think it's a stupid reason to lose your title. I, you know, I assume to remember somebody else being the WWE champion and taking a picture, blocking out only his CAC. Uh, also, compared to all the other terrible people that are still employed with the company, uh, Matt Riddle, Austin Theory, uh, Jimmy Snuka was employed for years and kept making an appearance. Uh, oh, Vince McMahon. Just a, just a thought. What are your uh, rambling thoughts about all this? Um, if this had been during the Attitude Era, she would have been, her OnlyFans would have been promoted. If anything, she would have been pushed to do a Playboy spread. Yep. Like past women, quote unquote, wrestlers were. The only problem with OnlyFans and uh, a woman showing her body uh, to someone other than WWE fans is WWE can't monetize it. Therefore, she must be punished. So stupid. It is so stupid. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. To add to what you said, Craig, WWE made the rule that they can't get their hands on extra money. You make money off her body every week. Yeah. 
um, and the when it comes to and it's just that it's the women's bodies. If if Mandy Rose had a drug problem or had a DUI, guess who'd still be with the company? Mandy Rose. The Usos have how many DUIs between them? Aren't they still the longest reigning tag team champions of all time? You mentioned Matt Riddle who failed a drug test twice. He's still with the company. Drugs good, titties bad. Yeah, um, no, the it, it's it's uh, it's blatant hypocrisy. And if you want to talk about wrestlers making money outside of WWE that don't, you know, I don't see anyone coming down on Austin Creed for his various um, money making uh, shows outside of the WWE and his whole video game empire independent of WWE. I guess the, the loophole is he had it. He was doing that before. He was a full-time employee, but since he's he's capitalized on his celebrity as a WWE superstar to make more video content for his, you know, a YouTube show or up, up, down, down, and his appearances on um uh oh god. G four. G four, thank you. Damien's favorite show. Um and None of that is WWE money, but they don't seem to have a problem with that. They're not making him stop. Yeah, the if, the hypocrisy. I, it's if it wasn't so blatantly obvious, it wouldn't be so. Uh, it it is angering and it, it's incredibly frustrating. But it's the the misogyny that it's based on. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, because you know the. You know, she's going to be punished. She gets punished for doing something that <clears throat> so many other celebrities do. But it, it because and the, 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 because it falls outside of the WWE umbrella. Um, and I, when I first heard it, it's like, I thought, I thought Vince wasn't in charge anymore because that's something that Vince, you know, hated. But same time, this is the same guy that's, gone from the company because of his um, yeah, sexual proclivities. Yeah, it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. I wish I could. It doesn't. It, does, it just doesn't. Um, yeah, Matt Riddle snorting coke like it's going out of stock, like it's uh, going out of yeah. availability. Mandy Rose barely shows a n- nipple and she's gone. Mm-hmm. Now, she's probably going to make a ton of money because of this. Yeah, and she's like um, one of the reasons why people are climbing for Sasha while Sasha is not coming back um, because she can make so much more money outside of WWE. Granted, she can't use the name Sasha Banks, but she was doing okay as Mercedes Merced, her real name, um, on The Mandalorian and on other things. So... Yeah, and when you look like Mandy Rose, you're going to be all right. Um, I it sucks that anyone has to lose their job, especially over something as hypocritical as that. But uh, uh, she's she's going to be okay. But the fact that she had to lose over something like that is you're not supposed to let. Uh, I mean, the WWE superstars, female ones, aren't supposed to have an OnlyFans. 
I mean, her name is her Twitter name or Instagram name is WWE in the in her in her username. So they're they're branded all over the place. So anyone who goes to her her OnlyFans knows, and if they're fans of hers, so they know where she's from. They know why she's famous. I don't get it. Um, yeah, the male superstars can break the law. Break the law. What Mandy Rose did was not illegal at all. But it doesn't fall under the WWE content parameters, so she's got to go. Absolutely ridiculous. Insane. And very, very stupid. You need all the fans you can get right now, WWE. All the fans you can get. Even the OnlyFans. Even the OnlyFans. By the way, I'll be starting a website, OnlyDance.com, <laughs> in the near future. Uh, so people who hate me, so Cowboys fans who can hate who hate me can uh, use my picture to come to. Um, yeah, I I I was absolutely kind of thrown <laughs> badass, and I just want to point out this is a woman in the chat saying this. Didn't Mickey James show her asshole? Yeah, that's I've seen inside of her vagina. That's how deep those pictures went. She keeps coming back. It's it's stupid. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the only way this is an excuse. But yeah, but then you still come to the conclusion that WWE made the rules, so it's still stupid. So I can't even say what I was going to say. Never mind. It's stupid. No matter how you arrive to the... Because the only way you arrive to that conclusion is... Well, if she wanted to leave, more power to her. That's the decision she made. Yeah, but they still would have had to go to her to even get to that kind of decision. Be like, you can't do this. Shut the fuck up. I will find, I will be finding other things to do on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday nights. I mean, I have. Most of the wrestling fans have already. If you're not, if you haven't seen the ratings lately, um, they, they already are. Looking for other, looking at other things on Monday, Tuesday, and and Friday. Unreal. I don't know, man. Uh, you gained a fan in March, WWE. Now you're losing that fan. Well, you know that's when you're going to get a call for the tryout, Badash. Yes. And tell them, listen, pictures of my tits exist. You sure you want to sign me? <laughs> I don't know. If that's true. I'm just saying. You can just say that to them. Um, pictures of my tits is it? Uh, at the same time, I was real excited because uh, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Regal's going back, but you know, who gives a shit. Yeah, and three per, steps forward, two steps back. Yeah, and per the agreement, he's not allowed to be on camera for a year. Oh, good. Well, yeah. I'm even less excited. Who cares? Wrestling on TV is so meh, and then every time you get real excited about it. And something else happens, you're like, why am I watching this? Well, because there's nothing to watch. Um, I mean, it's it's too extreme. The AEW has a bunch of guys that got 100 wrestlers on the on the roster, and the people that should be on TV every week aren't. The people that should be put pushed aren't. Um, and the people that should be winning are losing. Meanwhile, on the WWE, we got 200 wrestlers on the roster. And we see the same 12 every goddamn week. 
And why do we have to see the why do we have to see the Usos and the Brawling Brutes again? Why are why are Gable and Otis a thing at all? Um I I'm totally gone on the judgment day. Because again, we see them wrestle the same people each and every week. They don't they haven't made any new stars, they're not even attempting to make any new stars. The two stars that they can build around, um, LA Knight and, and Bray Wyatt, they're fighting each other. They need to be separate. You push those guys individually with other people. It's like when they what they broke up Starks and Hobbs. Those are the two guys that should be wrestling other that you need to get over. Give them put them on TV every week. Give them wins against other talent. Then you can then but then you you face them off against each other. L.A. Knight um, and Bray Wyatt. It's like AEW booking in WWE. He comes back after two years. People, the fans brought him back. Vince is gone, so Triple H brought him back. Where the fuck's he been? What is he doing? The same old backstage skit shit. Get him in the ring or put him on the mic every week. <sighs> no, there's nothing to watch. And the ones AEW, the acclaimed are on right now as I'm speaking. The most over tag team uh, in AEW. So why put them against FTR? Your two top babyface teams. You're not going to turn one heel because you're going to take away your audience. So instead, we're going to split the audience and have FTR lose again. I know, I'm, That's I'm stupid. completely fed up. And of course, the best match of the month, of the year, uh, again, was FTR versus the Briscoes. On a pay-per-view that they didn't even sell, yeah, on a match they didn't even announce until... Saturday afternoon. Who has a pay-per-view on Saturday afternoon anyway? But you didn't even announce that. Uh, you you save it to the end of your Friday night show, your B show, to say it. So if you weren't already watching AEW, if you watched the end of the FTR, the acclaimed, you have the guns come out and announce the match with FTR and the Briscoes. What fucking sense does that make? On an ROE, on a Ring of Honor pay-per-view... For a, a pay-per-view for a company that doesn't exist, for the most part, and you want everyone to watch it on paper on a pay-per-view that you didn't even advertise at all, and the best tag team match that you're going to see all year, people don't even know about, and people didn't even know about it unless you bought the pay-per-view. Go ahead. It um. It fell into the same trap as WCW version 3, I guess I'll call it. Where you were hoping it would get relaunched as its own thing. But then, of course, it just got... Like, it's even... WCW got launched as a storyline, so that was dead in the water already. But this is... There's not enough individualism in Ring of Honor. I have no idea what's happening half the time. They're running the honor club still separately, but it's it's just AEW with a red and black banner instead of the yellow and gold. I, I just like the WWE botched the WCW thing. Make your Friday night show Ring of Honor. Yeah, there you go. AEW presents Ring of Honor. 
then when you can have all your your champions or all your guys that you don't use on the AEW roster, which are a lot of them, put them on Ring of Honor. So therefore, when a Ring of Honor person shows up in AEW, guess what? It's a big deal. Hey, look at that. But no. <laughs> Badass just says, holy crap, I just looked at the Mickey James pictures. I can tell you how old she was by counting the rings. That's how deep inside you can see. I wasn't exaggerating. No. I mean, I have a... I I could map it out. I could map it out and tell you exactly what it like. Uh, yeah. Not that that's a problem. No. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that are wrong, um, Vice TV has continued its Tuesday night programming. Um, they finished Tales from the Territories last week, finishing up with um, Mid South, which had the maybe the best four: um, Ted DiBiase, Jake Roberts, um, and two other guys. Uh, but last night was the premiere of the Vince McMahon documentary. This was the first documentary. I mean, we talked, I mean, there has been so many other, you know, attempts at documentaries and, and you know, the A&E stuff alludes to a little bit, but this was an actual documentary on Vince McMahon um, that wasn't produced by the WWE. So you got the whole truth from people that were there that were that work with alongside events that uh know the history of uh Vince's dealings with other promoters, the inside stuff of what was going on, the WWE, and even a few scandals I didn't know about. They went through the steroid trial, they went through, you know, the 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 takeover, you know, Black Saturday, uh the steroid trial. I didn't know about the um the tanning salon um employee that he sexually assaulted, allegedly. Didn't know anything about that. Um, or the female referee. That um, Yeah, I mentioned the female referee when this was all breaking. Yeah, and I remember reading something about the tanning salon. Uh, I didn't. I, that's first I, I heard of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, leading right up into Vince, Vince saying goodbye. That was the last uh, five minutes of the show was Vince coming on SmackDown to say, goodbye and say that he retired um but it was a really those guys do great work and any anytime vice tv does anything on on wrestling you know the dark side of the ring stuff the tales from the territory stuff it's absolutely um just enthralling and so if you haven't seen the Vince McMahon documentary please i implore you watch it if you're if you're not a Vince McMahon fan, it's even it's even better. If you're a Vince fan, if you're a fan of Vince, or even if you want to know how did how did it come to all this, watch a documentary. It's it's so damn good. You know what's funny about that is uh, they had certain people. I'm not going to point out names because I will not dignify him by mentioning his name on this show. Uh, but a certain known pedophile was used on the show and I thought it was ironic that they're using him on this episode while 
you know, put, mm-hmm. showing the story about Vince. And they also, have, it's so stupid. They also, it all goes back to the uh, beginning of the uh, Tales of Territory where they had Kevin Sullivan after they just, the season before, mm-hmm. was showing right out stories of verified abuse to Nancy. And here's Kevin Sullivan. I don't give a shit how much he knows about Florida. I don't give a shit how involved he was with that territory. You don't use him, especially when you produce the show that outed him as a spousal abuser. It doesn't make any sense to me. There are, there's proof out there of the shit Austin Theory has done as a groomer, and he's the U.S. champion. Jimmy Snuka murdered a girl, was on TV for 40 years. I, I, I don't get it. And uh, uh, we see a little bit of titty and she's gone. I don't get it at all. And I just, at the in the Vince documentary, they were they were using footage from old Dark Side of the Ring um, episodes, like the Jimmy the Jimmy Snuka episode. How Vince made that go away? He showed up with a briefcase full of cash or full of documents or something. Yeah. Next thing you know, it's all gone. Um, the the flight um, it was was talked about. Um, the death of uh, of Chris Benoit. And um, how we exploited the uh, the death of Eddie Guerrero after and um, the way that and all of his and they showed just about every you know diva that he made out with Trish and Stacy Keebler and um, God I forget who else Tori and you know all that other stuff and how he was you know hardly ever faithful to his wife whom he met when. He was 16 and she was 13, by the way. So. When they get married? Uh, I think as soon as she turned 21. Okay. Yeah. Still, I, I get you. Mm-hmm. It's it... Sammy Callahan. Yes. Do I have to repeat myself? I wish you didn't. I won't. Still on TV. I don't. I. Mm. You, you tell it. Take us to a week that was, sir. Gladly, Dan, because this week in professional wrestling history, uh, there was some history making world heavyweight championship changes um, that defined a generation uh, of wrestlers and. Um, made these wrestlers who they were and they may not be remembered for the match but they'll be remembered for the person that they were because they were the world heavyweight champion back when being the world heavyweight champion even if you're one of three made you a top guy everywhere you went um back when wrestling was selling out in arenas and coliseums and high school gymnasiums and rec centers 
all 50 states across the country. And back when a title change was a big deal and being when someone was pushed, they were pushed accordingly. So when they finally won the big one, you, you know that they earned it. And we're going to discuss that in the week that was in this week in professional wrestling. This, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. Uh, we're going to go back to December 10th, 1972, um, in Topeka, Kansas. Um, George Scrapiron Gadaski went to a 10-minute draw against a young man making his professional wrestling debut, weighing in at 287 pounds. Not yet twisted steel or sex appeal, but on December 10th, 1972, George Scrapiron Gadaski went to a 10-minute draw in the debut of Ric Flair. 50 years ago today. Before 50 that, years ago uh, this week. Before yeah. before that uh, that flight we just talked about, which people still use him. And there's another hypocrisy thing. But anyway, we're talking about Anyway, sorry. Yeah. My bad. That's, that's okay. But yeah. Ric Flair um, began his wrestling career 50 years ago this week. Amazing. Uh, on that same date, three years later, and while Ric Flair is making his debut, three years later, December 10, 1975, West Palm Beach, Florida, Jack Briscoe uh, would be defending his title against a guy he's defended it uh, quite a bit, but on this time, couldn't get past him. And so the reign of Jack Briscoe as the NWA heavyweight champion ended, and the reign of Terry Funk began. Terry Funk defeated Jack Briscoe December 10th, 1975. Uh, many would consider it an upset. Um, Terry, Like I said, Jack Briscoe had beaten Terry Funk quite a bit before, but Terry Funk had been um, a mainstay in, in Florida, in Texas, in Georgia, in California, all the big NWA um, towns, and he had proven himself. Um, it helped a lot that his Brother, Dory, was a former NWA heavyweight champion. And after father, Dory Sr., was a prominent wrestler in Texas and in the front office in the NWA. So when the uh, decision came down, and that's what happened back then, uh, and the NWA Board of Governors uh, would have a meeting, and all the promoters, including the WWF, uh, Vince McMahon Sr., would vote on who would be the NWA champion. And it was determined it would be Terry Funk. And Terry Funk would defeat Jack Briscoe December 10th, 1975. Uh, would hold that belt for almost two years. And Terry Funk would carve out a 40-year career after that. Um, that so many tremendous highs and lows and so many epic uh, fuse and epic matches with so many great wrestlers. Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair in the late 80s. Um, ECW in the mid 90s creates so many amazing moments, all powered on the fact that he was a former heavyweight champion. And Dan, we've talked about it on this podcast so many times. So many wrestlers are 
synonymous with being a world champion. And you know him as a former world champion or them a former world tag team champions. Terry Funk, for his incredible, credible, memorable career, he only held it once. And but the one time. Forever. <laughs> forever. 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 And his career in Japan. I'm talking I'm I'm somebody talking about his career in the in in the States. Uh Giant Baba was one of the we talked about Giant Baba on the last wrestling historian, uh how um influential he was in as far as Japanese wrestling, but he brought more Americans to prominence. Uh, in Japan than any promoter, Japanese promoter ever has before or since. And one of them were were the Funks, uh, prominently Terry. And that opened the door for so many other great Americans. Um, and it might have been a Texas thing. Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, um, uh, Ted DiBiase, all were uh, prominent wrestlers in uh, in Japan, thanks to Baba. But the Funks really, really put them over. Uh, put Japan, re- Japanese wrestling over the top. So, December 10th, 1975, Terry Funk won his first and only NWA Heavyweight Champion. Forever! Forever! Uh, speaking of forever, and man, we uh, seemed like this pay-per-view went on forever. Um, December 13th, 1988, uh, 24 years ago, uh, was the first, last, and only pay-per-view put on by the AWA. The AWA Super Clash 3 uh, didn't have the same gravitas as the previous Super Clashes that had the NWA champions and the Road Warriors and uh, wrestlers from uh other federations, world class came by, but no, this one uh, was a little light on talent, but uh, they had it anyway, AWA's first pay-per-view. This was going to be the unification between the world class heavyweight champion, Kerry Von Erich, and the AWA heavyweight champion, Jerry Lawler. Um, But was also, before we got to the main event, there were some uh, other matches on the card that um, were notable for different reasons. Uh, Greg Gagne defeated Ronnie Garvin for the AWA television title. Now, Ronnie Garvin uh, had already signed with the WWF. I was going to say, sure, why not? And he had be paid uh, a separate bonus to come back to defend his AWA TV championship. Uh, and when it came time to the, uh, after, during the match, Ronnie Garvin was counted out, meaning he just walked out of the ring and didn't come back. And Greg Gagne was awarded the AWA TV championship. Wouldn't be the first time a tag team, uh, a, a AWA title changed hands on the count out. Uh, see, uh, Buddy Rose and Doug Summers, but, um, apparently he just became, there was a clause in the in the contract that no one read that a title can change hands on the count out. Uh, but in this case, it was Ronnie Garvin wa- literally walking out of the AWA and right to the WWF. Also on that uh, this card, Super Clash 3, 
Uh, the Guerrero brothers, Chavo, Hector, and Mondo, uh, would wrestle against the Rock and Roll RPMs, probably the weakest of the uh, Fabulous One ripoffs, um, the Rock and Roll RPMs, and their partner, Cactus Jack, in what would be his first ever pay-per-view. Well, at least he's got that going for him. Yeah, which is nice. And the uh, the main event, uh, the AWA champion, Jerry Lawler, against the world-class heavyweight champion, Kerry Von Erich. Uh, the winner would be would get both belts and would be declared the uni- the first unified heavyweight champion. And I see you're already shaking your head, Dan, because I, I told, told this story before. I just see the goofball with the fucking blood on it. Uh, Jerry Lauder detailed it in his book, and it, it's 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 funny. It's not funny. Um, both no, Jerry it's funny, but I, the funny part that I was I'm going to allude to is that Jerry Lawler and Ric Flair are two of the most disparate, different personalities you will ever meet in professional wrestling. They've only wrestled each other twice, um, but they've had different opponents. They've they've gone their separate. They've, Completely different lifestyles, but Jerry doesn't drink, never, never drank or smoke. Rick is on the other side of that that uh, that spectrum. But as different as they were, what the funny part is, I, if you read both of their books, they both say the exact same thing about Kerry Von Erich. Amazing, they said, great guy, love working with him in the ring, but I don't remember a time where he wasn't impaired. And with Flair, he talked about it in his book. They go and they wrestle each other more than 500 times. And Kerry would want to go over the finish. Rick would tell him. Okay, I got it. What was the finish again? Uh, okay, I got it. Bash goes on. Uh, you're, ne- you're next, Kerry. Okay, uh, ask Rick what the finish was. And it was the same thing with, with Jerry, with Jerry Lawler. They had been having a feud. Kerry Von Erich would come down to um, to the AWA, um, to would go to AWA and, and face Jerry. Jerry Lawler would go down to Texas, and uh, they, they team up one time. And after they won the tag team battle, the referee gave them the wrong belt, and they started fighting over that. So this was a big deal. And when you know it, Kerry was impaired, so much so that he knew the ending, but when it came, the ending obviously was, we know now, Kerry was going to lose because of too much blood. And, you know, about blading, you have to fix the the blade to your finger, to your wristband. Um, but Kerry, in an impaired state, uh, and when trying to attach the blade, sliced his arm through the bicep. And it was gushing blood in the locker room before the match even started. So to begin the match, Lawler had to take Kerry's arm and slam it into the, the buckle. The most unorthodox maneuver you've ever seen just to explain the amount of blood that was coming out of Kerry's arm. And then when Kerry finally did blade, he bladed way too deep. And Jerry even talks about, I mean, Kerry, Kerry had the claw hold on Jerry Lawler 
and Carrie was bleeding onto Jerry's face while he had the claw on. And the referee called the bout that Carrie Von Erich had lost too much blood, even though Jerry Lawler's shoulders were on the mat and he was completely out. The referee ruled that Carrie couldn't continue, and Jerry Lawler was crowned the unified heavyweight champion. It just. I, th- this show was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, and not only was it a disaster, disaster. It, it, from a rating standpoint, uh, I, don't, I forgot the final numbers, but this was in the UIC Pavilion in Chicago. It drew only 1,672 fans. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I know the buy rate was, uh, reading this here, the buy rate was 45,000. Okay. Um, it was so poorly attended and so badly received that Vern didn't even pay the visiting talent because he didn't have the money. Nope. Which sounds like any indie wrestling promoter ever. Um, and of course, uh, Jerry Lauder started uh, uh, criticizing him. This is there's very there's not many times I take Jerry Lawler's side in anything. Uh, because it's sometimes physically impossible. Um, but, you know, he was being crit- critical about Mr. Gagne. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Gagne, who didn't pay him for the event in the first place, stripped him of the belt. Yeah. Uh, I just just look at this card and you go, the talent on this show. And I don't know how you f- that up. Well, twelve you know, matches, and most of them were under under ten minutes. Under 10 all minutes. of them were under ten minutes instead of one. Yeah. God damn it! And it was Jerry's Lawler's I- idea in order to, he wanted to increase the audience of the AWA. And Jerry Lawler said this about Vern Gagne before: you can have the greatest idea in the world, but if Vern Gagne didn't think of it, it's not the greatest idea in the world. Um, it was Jerry Lawler who went to world class and then went to, you know, cause Vern was still, uh, trying to do anything he could to compete with Vince. He already lost so many of his top stars and continued to lose them to, uh, to the WWF and Jerry who knew, who knew a thing or two about running a territory and even using other talent from other, other territories. And said to Vern, why don't we, you know, side with, we already have Memphis, since I'm in Memphis, and we're in the AWA, your territory, why don't we include World Class in this too, get their audience. And so we can have, I'll appear on World Class, and then you can have World Class guys appear on Memphis, and you can have Memphis guys appear on the AWA, and, you know, I will be a, a real world champion, I'll defend my belt in these other territories, and we'll get other uh, we'll get bigger fans, and with an idea, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Vern didn't like it, yeah. And people weren't paid. I think Chavo Guerrero. I think until the day he died, he was still talking about not being paid for that uh, that show, uh, Super would. Clash. I would. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, 1980. And I came up with my Twitter feed um, today. 
That oh, lucky you. Yeah. Uh, another thing that came up on my Twitter feed that happened today, 14 years ago today, um, at WWE's Armageddon, and after a triple threat match, after Triple H gave the pedigree to Edge and had him pinned, but right off the top rope, Onto the back of Triple H came the new, three seconds later, the new WWE Heavyweight Champion, winning his first world championship ever, Jeff Hardy. The pop Hardy, who is not employed by WWE because of an alleged drug issue. Well, at that time, you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. But an- another person who literally walked out of the ring, walked out of the WWE, uh, and because he didn't refuse to take a drug test, um, was summarily let go. Um, I don't know what the AEW's policy is, but apparently not strong enough because uh-huh. after Jeff Hardy's much publicized uh, drunk driving arrest um, that was seen on video, he hasn't been seen on TV since. Um and we don't know if we'll ever see him on TV again. I'm fine with not seeing him on TV if that means him getting help or him not trying to kill himself for, on free television by jumping off of shit onto other hard shit. But um, 14 years ago today, Jeff Hardy was on top of the world, and he was he won his first WWE championship. Wow. Yeah, and if you look at it, if you look at it, the the uh, his win, you look at the crowd. You you never see a pop like that. It's fourteen years ago, and everyone was on their feet because no one could believe it. Because this guy had been one half of the most popular tag teams of all time, and you know it's not like it was a hard foundation where you knew who the guy was in that yeah. team. You knew who was going to be. Um, Matt and Jeff were. I mean, Jeff was obviously the more colorful and the high flyer and stuff. Didn't think that would be a world champion, and here he is. But 14 years ago, Jeff Hardy was on top of the world. You know what? He did all right for himself, considering. Yes, he did. Um, Yeah, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, I I hope he'll be okay. Um, and wherever he is, congratulations, Jeff. Happy 14th anniversary. And that, gentlemen, ladies, is a wrestling historian. And I want to close this out by saying before you, even for you close out, Badash says, you know, if Mandy got fired for Nip, all male wrestlers should be fired as well. Nip's everywhere on live TV. Yes. I'm offended by the nipples. Go ahead, Craig. Sorry. Cover them up. Show some decency. No. <laughs> well, my nipples are frozen, as you can see by my shirt. Yeah. Yes, I can. Yeah. yeah. You got bat nipples. Uh, Craig, where can people follow you now that I still? Yes, Joel them? Schumacher made these bat nipples for me. Um, you can follow I can't me. Wait to see the cod piece. <laughs> uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Wagons, C R A I G L I Double G E O N S. Follow me on Twitter. 
and all social media platforms. Dan Law 83, HIC Talk Radio Network to listen to all the old podcasts. Even the ones that were just a week old. Go listen to them. Tell everybody to listen to them. Uh, Dan Law, we now stream on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, simulcast. Um, just go to those sites, type in Dan Law 83. You'll find me there. Um, for Craig Lagans, I am the above average comedian, Dan Calchico. And if you're a Cowboys fan, it's on site. Keep it on the paper. 1996. Bye, Bye equals one. <laughs>